This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about structured settlements from Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements, helping injured people and their families since 1975. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by Allstate, American General, John Hancock, Liberty Mutual, MetLife, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello and welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and we're certainly glad you could join us today. Well, on Ringler Radio today, we're going to uh, talk about and spotlight some very important topics around the workers' compensation arena. And one of them is the whole area of workplace injuries. We're going to be discussing third-party cases, the Workplace Safety Task Force, and a recent workers' compensation tax proposal that's causing uh, concern and consternation in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And to do all that, our guest today is attorney Doug Sheff, senior partner at Sheff Law in Boston, Massachusetts. Doug has over 30 years of experience in all aspects of personal injury law and has earned a reputation for obtaining outstanding recoveries for his clients. He focuses on practice of uh, traumatic brain injury, construction site accidents, trucking cases, workplace accidents, just a plethora of uh, different uh, arenas there, Doug. You're currently the president-elect of the Massachusetts Bar Association, and of course, uh, we can find out more about you at cheflaw.com. Doug, with all of that as uh, an introduction, welcome to Ringler Radio. Well, Larry, thanks so much. I'm uh, very pleased to be here with you today. Well, Doug, let's start a little bit with your practice. Give us a little bit of history about Chef Law. Uh, Well, our firm really dates back to the 50s, and in the 50s, uh, the folks had more of a general practice, and as the years went by, we became a workers' compensation firm. We actually had hundreds of workers' compensation cases. Mm -hmm. These days, however, we've uh, really limited our practice to what are known as third-party cases, and we get those cases from the workers' comp bar. In fact, about 80% of our cases come from workers' compensation attorneys. Well, you know, Doug, it's interesting. I I often think it's important uh, for our listeners to step back a bit and provide somewhat of a primer on uh, some of these topics. So I want us to today, let's take an approach uh, that doesn't assume that our, you know, what our audience audience may already know. So, for example, what exactly do you mean when you say a third party case? Uh, Sure, Larry. Um, well, if you think about uh, the first two parties in, in a workplace scenario as being the employee and the employer, anybody outside of those two would be considered a third party. So a third party case is a case brought by an injury victim um, against anyone other than their employer that causes them harm. For example, if I work in a restaurant, say as a waiter, and I fall on a banana peel in the kitchen, uh, I may have a workers' compensation case against the restaurant. Um, I'm not able to sue them, as we say, at law. I, I'm not able to sue them in a court of law, but I have a workers' compensation case. The third-party case might be against uh, the delivery company who may have left that banana peel on the floor. So there you would have two separate cases going on at the same time, a workers' compensation case, with respect to the restaurant, but a third-party case against the uh, party who left the banana peel on the floor if it were someone 
different than the employer. Interesting. So what are the differences then between the third-party case, how you would approach that, and the workers' compensation case? Well, these are two very different animals. Um, the, uh, the, the, the Department of Industrial Accidents is the forum. It's an administrative agency. It handles the workers' compensation claims. It's not uh, a, a courtroom or a courthouse, as, as some of the uh, listeners might um, might might anticipate but it's a it's a separate place now uh a a third party case uh is handled in in court and there there two there are two major uh, differences between the two in a workers compensation case fault is not an issue right you don't have to prove liability or fault you could be uh swinging a hammer at your work site smash your own hand and you could maintain a workers comp case Whereas that would probably never be a case in court in, in a third-party uh, scenario. Similarly, damages in workers' comp cases are extremely limited, um, and therefore the value of those cases is sometimes uh, really only a fraction of what the third-party case may be. Mm-hmm. I uh, am, am handling a case right now. The value of the workers' comp case might be $20,000, but the value of the third-party case might be in the millions of dollars. That's mm-hmm. how uh, big a disparity there might be between the two. Well, in what types of cases, uh, Doug, would you typically find uh, third-party situations arising? Well, uh, one area uh, that uh, a lot of these cases, where, where you can find a lot of these cases, is the construction site uh, area, construction injuries. And that, that makes sense, Larry, because uh, you have a whole lot of employers coordinating on a job. You have many folks who might not be your employer, who might have caused you harm. A lot of subcontractors. A lot of subcontractors. And so if one subcontractor drops a a piece of cement or wood on on another subcontractor, that's that's fair game for a third-party case. Mm -hmm. Um, Another area is in the product liability field, uh, because... When you think about it, in many of our workplaces where people are working on products, they're working on machinery. The machinery was not manufactured uh, in most cases by the employer. Mm -hmm. So there, too, you have a situation where someone other than your employer uh, causes you harm. If the guard to a saw is defective and and somebody, God forbid, gets their their hand cut off, Mm -hmm. um, that would lend itself to the third-party um, uh, situation as well. Well, it sounds like as a workers' comp attorney, you're constantly on the lookout for these third-party situations to help your client. So, so what are you know what are some of those uh, things you look out for? Well, I'm I'm really not a, a workers' comp attorney anymore. I work with them, and and what I try to do is I try to um, keep in touch with the workers' comp community uh, in order to uh, make sure that they identify. See, they're kind of like first responders, Larry. They're there. People say, I got hurt at work. I'm going to call a workers' comp lawyer. And they do that. And it's up to the workers' comp lawyer to identify and become aware of what has to be done to preserve uh, that third-party case. Now, since in the workers' comp world, fault is not an issue, uh, workers' comp lawyers are sometimes not focused right away on doing important things for the workers for the excuse me the third party case for example freezing the evidence 
freezing the evidence that might lead to the kind of proof that you're going to need in order to establish a third-party case. Uh, that's why, in my opinion, um, the workers' comp lawyer should call in the third-party attorney almost immediately on the same day that they get notice of it so that there can be a proper investigation. Uh, oftentimes we're working with the carrier, the, the competent carrier, and sometimes not. Uh, but then as the case progresses, they, they become two very different kinds of cases. The workers' compensation lawyer is, is maintaining that case while the third-party lawyer uh, goes into discovery practices. No, can be, no question about yeah, that. Well, yeah. let, let's talk a little bit about... Uh, the reason that these these lawsuits are brought in a third party arena, and that's really to recover monetary awards uh, for the damages sustained by the client. So, tell us about the kinds of damages that uh, third par- these third party cases are really looking to uh, pursue. Well, unlike workers' compensation cases, in the third party scenario, we're able to recover for pain and suffering and mm-hmm. loss of enjoyment of life and and, and 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 future disability that might not even be known or established at the time of. Uh, you know, early on, but but way way down the line, um, the the important thing to do is not to miss any damages. And I, and I I have to say that one of the one of the places we see now where um, and this doesn't apply to workers' comp or third party lawyers, but all lawyers, uh, people in general, are missing a very real uh, injury. And by that, I'm referring to traumatic brain injury. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we have come from the horse and buggy to the space shuttle in the last few years with respect to diagnosing, identifying, and and handling uh, brain injury cases. In fact, your MRIs and CAT scans, they they, they miss 90% of these legitimate injuries, and so we're becoming very good at some alternative methods for determining them and other testing, and and so I I wanted to make sure uh, we at least highlighted that that, that important point. No question, and to kind of sum this up uh, in this this, uh, area, the workers' comp attorney in dealing with a workers' comp case is dealing with a very structured uh, recovery system mm-hmm. where where things are laid out uh, with formulas, et cetera. In mm-hmm. the third-party arena, you're much more freewheeling to uh, to assess damages and to really you know sell those damages to a jury, for example, and and, and to develop them and to and, to, and, and that's right, Larry. It's a it's 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 much more subjective and it's it's yeah. much more um, up to the 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 lawyer as as a uh, as an advocate, and really to artfully put forward those damages. Well, you know, Doug, you're the incoming president of the Massachusetts Bar Association, and congratulations, by the way. Oh, thanks. I'm thrilled about that. Well, tell us about uh, your role and and what you see uh, as some of the major initiatives uh, for your term in office. Well, you know, uh, people might not realize the Mass Bar Association, the oldest bar association, it's over 100 years old, was started by luminaries like Oliver Wendell Holmes and Louis Brandeis, and mm. and to follow in their footsteps uh, uh, a century later is, is it, it's just a, a, a wonderful uh, privilege. It's a little, I, little so humbling, grateful. I'm sure. Huh? Uh, very, very humbling. <laughs> I, I sometimes I don't believe it, but I'm 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 just uh, so pleased to be working with. Uh, uh, just wonderful staff and, mm-hmm. and, and, and the leadership at the Mass Bar, dedicated people who really uh, give of themselves and, and, and to the community. And, and in that in that vein, um, my uh, year, uh, as I uh, get ready for it, uh, is going to include some, some initiatives which uh, really uh, seek to connect with and to give back to the community at large. Um, we have an initiative um, already... Uh, 
underway in, in, in part uh, called the Working Families uh, in, Initiative, and that's inclusive of something called the Workplace Safety Task Force uh, uh, created by the Mass Bar and unique to the Mass Bar. Um, we, can talk, we can talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, we will. Um, the uh, there there are other aspects. There is a, going to be a um, initiative uh, revolving around um, supporting consumers, consumer advocacy, and then uh, one that I'm uh, very proud to uh, spearhead. Uh, something that I like to refer to as uh, the Justice for All initiative. You know, uh, in terms of giving back to the community or what we attorneys refer to as pro bono work, free work, free representation, uh, I believe that our profession in the law uh, provides more pro bono work than all other professions combined. And um, the public should know that. It's it's important to know that. And I, uh, I we're already, we, throughout that century of history, um, it is rich with that kind of activity in the mass bar. There is uh, our access to justice committee that provides that kind of representation. Mm-hmm. All many pro bono uh, programs uh, for the poor, uh, our dial a lawyer program, our lawyer referral service, and now we're even dealing with uh, issues regarding that the uh, crime lab uh, scenario uh, in order to um, uh, make sure that uh, there is a, a level of due process maintained. All of this for the public good. All of this conducted by volunteer members of the Mass Bar Association. I'm just very proud to be a part of it and a part of this profession. Well, no question. And getting that word out, of course, is important, too, because uh, there's no reason why anyone who's been wronged in society should uh, go without representation in this uh, in this day and age. And I think that's uh, one of the things I, I know you're going to be pursuing, just to get the word out so people know that they have access to these resources if they need them. That's right, Larry. Well, let's talk a little bit about what you mentioned, which is the Workplace Safety Task Force. I know it's near and dear to a lot of you out there. Uh, tell us about it. What's the objective of the uh, Workplace Safety Task Force? Well, this is a group of leaders um, really selected from all aspects of our society here within the Commonwealth. And we've joined together in order to uh, serve a common objective, which is to prevent injury and death in our workplaces. Well, who makes up the task force? Well, it, that's the beauty of it, Larry. It is a real diverse group. It's a real inclusive group. Uh, we have attorneys. We have members of industry, and in, including the insurance industry. We have, uh, contrasting that, we have members of labor. We have health professionals, safety experts. We have physicians, uh, representatives of the Mass Medical Society. We have judges. We have professors. The attorney general is represented. It's a real, uh, all-inclusive, diverse group. And that's, I I think, what makes it so strong. But it also appears that some of these uh, groups have different opinions about the subject matter. How did you get all these people to come together? Oh, that's right, Larry. A lot of these folks will uh, will butt heads uh, in various issues, as they should. They're 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 advocates for certain positions, but what we've done, and it was a lengthy process and and, and a long period of time of identifying and and meeting with and and, and a gradual sort of um, coming together of these different professionals, is we've gotten everybody to uh, to to to. to uh, put their differences and their uh, outside of this effort aside to come together to find common denominators to help the the, the public to do to do to, to do, do good, good to the public. Well, right. now That's that the right. now that the task force has been kind of formed and put together, what exactly or precisely do you think the intentions are for the group to be uh, doing? Well, what are they going to be well, doing? What are they going to be accomplishing? Well, for, first of all, the Mass Bar Association is the perfect place to house this 
this um, this task force um, because the mass bar really represents all legal interests statewide. It's 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 neutral. It has it has opposing views. That's the beauty of the mass bar. Sometimes sometimes the frustration, but mostly the beauty of the mass bar is that we represent all sides of all issues. So it's the perfect place to 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 bring these folks together. And what we do is really threefold. We study. Um, trends and, and problems and reasons why accidents and deaths occur in the workplace. And you see we have the academics and the professionals and mm-hmm. the healthcare experts. And then we, we go out and we educate um, folks in the communities. We get right into the communities. I I've, uh, uh, make presentations sometimes with my PowerPoint uh, translated into Portuguese and Spanish, and I try my I try my <laughs> high school Spanish out here and there and get a smile from the crowd. I don't know if they're laughing with me or at me, but um, we, we, we get <laughs> exactamente. Um, we get to uh, the communities like New Bedford and Dorchester and Fall River, and 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 the third. Uh, the, the the third real prong of attack uh, that we have is that we support legislation. Now, uh, recently, uh, we, uh, we we actually achieved a groundbreaking um, uh, feat. We uh, got a bill passed that went into effect uh, in January. It's now law. Um, it's called the Workers' Right to Know Bill, and it protects hundreds of thousands of people a year. It it ensures that. Um, uh, various workers get fair pay, and it makes sure that they're uh, that they're uh, properly trained and equipped with regard to safety. And this alone, uh, we believe, will save injury and death uh, going forward, even starting this year. When you go before uh, le- the legislature, for example, does the existence of the task force, with its diverse uh, opinions, does that give you more credibility? Oh, oh absolutely. Now, um, I- I'll tell you that in when I had the privilege of testifying. Um, in support of this particular bill, I, I was addressing the particular committee involved, and I, I said, Madam Chairwoman, to my left is an insurance executive, to my right is a doctor from the Mass Medical Society, and I'm a plaintiff's attorney. When have you ever... <laughs> When you've ever heard us even agree on everything, on anything, and they chuckled, and then I said, "So this must be the right thing to do," and they nodded their heads. And so this bill, um, which, by the way, uh, really uh, required a coalition, um, uh, we had uh, uh, grassroots organizations like Mascosh, we had the unions, we had, but we also had uh, a, a big business uh, supporting this uh, uh, provision, and, and and so this this bill, which had failed on several other occasions, I think because of the way we built our coalition and because of who was in support of it and the way we went about it and the the diversity and the and the um, uh, just the completeness and the neutrality of right. and, and overwhelming support, we we got the bill to pass. So that that's a very uh, interesting point of view that you're you're bringing to the uh, to the legislature. Something that doesn't happen a lot, you know, this, this concept of uh, all points of view being directed in in, in one particular uh, uh, way. I'm mm-hmm. sure they appreciate that. How are you reaching the? broader community and how are they benefiting from what you're trying to accomplish? Well, the first part of what you said is very true, Larry. I mean, we're not a, you know, when we present something in that fashion, and I think that's the new model for for, for, for dealing with legislation. You know, you come in and they're used to seeing a special interest group, I think what you described. You know, special interest groups have their agenda. Without an agenda, because it's the right thing to do, and with, with representation by all uh, accounts by from so many quarters that's i think how you get laws passed these days um how are we bringing people uh to, how are we benefiting the community i think is is 
is is a is a good question. We're bringing attorney attorneys together with the community. I think that there is a perception, perhaps a misperception, but one nonetheless, that attorneys are sort of ex- exclusionary. They deal with things in their own world. Um, that they fight and bicker. I mean, that's our stereotype, and that's why sometimes we're we're. Uh, don't receive the best public relations. You know, we, mm-hmm. we don't we don't get sure. the best media. And I really appreciate you and your show for getting the message out there that that's just not the case. In fact, the finest people I know, the the the, the most charitable people I know, are lawyers. And we're breaking those stereotypes. We're really sending a message that you know attorneys serve the public as no other profession. And um, I'm just pleased that uh, the Mass Bar Association gives us that vehicle and that shows like yours uh, shine a light on it. Well, that's well said, uh, Doug. What's next in the arena for uh, this this group? Well, the Workplace Safety Task Force has been picked up by other states now. Uh, We're the first, but I'm now getting calls and requests. In fact, I I spoke uh, a while ago out in California uh, to a group uh, of national uh, a a national advocacy group for for workers, and they uh, are trying to implement a workplace safety task force in each and every state, and I may go to some of the first few in order to, to get them started. Well, it's nice to see Massachusetts once again setting the standard for the country. It sounds like uh, you're right. doing good work. Thank well, let's you. take a quick break right now. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes with more with Doug Sheff on this very interesting discussion. We'll be right back. This is Ringler Radio from Ringler Associates, the leader in the structured settlements profession nationwide. Did you know that Ringler is involved in a third of all structured settlement cases in the country? Ringler Associates works with all the parties in a lawsuit settlement to find the best possible financial solution for the people involved. There's a Ringler Associate in all the major cities of the U.S. No one has more experience than a Ringler Associate. Check out our new website at www.ringlerassociates.com for the best information for claimants, legal professionals, and claims personnel, and to find the Ringler Associate nearest you. When it's your interest at stake in a lawsuit settlement, you want only the best financial plan. You can count on Ringler Associates to structure a customized plan that meets the needs of you and your family for the future. Visit RinglerAssociates.com to learn more. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you could join us. I'm joined by my special guest, Boston attorney Doug Sheff, senior partner at Sheff Law, and the president-elect of the Massachusetts Bar Association. So, Doug, let's take a look at uh, the workers' compensation tax proposal that's... uh, Causing a lot of concern in Massachusetts. Tell us about the genesis of the proposal. Well, the uh, the budget came out, and we were all shocked to see that there was actually a provision that would tax the proceeds, tax recoveries on injury victims who get hurt in the workplace and recover workers' compensation uh, 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 benefits. What and what is the? T- let's tell our listeners what does the tax code today say about workplace uh, injury victims. In well, the terms of their tax treatment. The interesting thing about the way uh, the tax code has always been structured and regarded is that 
it, it never seeks to tax recoveries for injuries of any kind, Larry. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about it when you lose when you lose a, a, an aspect of your health or if, if you're disabled in some way, if you lose the use of your legs, you've lost something forever. When you get compensated for it, you didn't make a profit. You shouldn't be taxed on that. It's as if I loaned you money. If you pay me back, I don't pay taxes on that money. Mm-hmm. That's the way the tax code has and should regard any kind of recovery for any kind of injury, and it's it's a very um, it's a it's a radical step, and it's a, an unfair one to tax uh, workers' comp recovery. Well, and and especially because the rate at which workers' compensation uh, victims are are compensated is not totally based on their, what they currently what they were, were were earning at the time. I mean, there's there's a differentiation between what they were earning and what they received. Tell us about that. Well, the the rate used to be uh, 66% of one's income. Now, back in 1992, they reduced the rate of recovery for victims to 60%. Now, the rationale then was that it was a tax-free recovery. So here you have uh, a few years come go by, and all of a sudden, they forget about the rationale for cutting the rate, and now they want to implement the tax. In my world, that's called a bait-and-switch. Yeah. You know, there was a, there was a, there was a promise made and, and that promise has been broken. We can't allow that to happen. Larry. Well, how do you think that's going to affect the overall economy of, uh, let's say of Massachusetts, if that, if that well, these, these, these folks, that 6% and that, 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 that amount of money that makes up the difference, that, that tax, uh, would, could make all the difference in the world to an individual. They're hanging on by a, a thread as it is. Um, they're not Pay, if, if, you, if you don't allow them to stay viable, to stay above water, they're not going to pay into the economy, and they're not going to be able to pay for basics like, for example, medical care that goes beyond the workers' comp uh, payments and, and, and benefits. So many of them will fall off, and where do you think they'll land? They'll land right, uh, on the public by, dole. They'll be on the public dole. They'll need state aid. This will be much more expensive than foregoing an unfair tax, and and so it really shouldn't be allowed to happen. Well, you know, it seems like a a radical move on the part of the uh, the governor here. What other states are proposing similar taxes on workers' comp benefits? I have never heard of a state where their the rate is at sixty percent. Uh, that they even thought of such a thing. And I think that that's because the measure is so draconian. It would set the clock back so far. So it's interesting. The governor came out with the proposal. Who in Massachusetts is supportive of the tax proposal? Uh, That's another good point, Larry. Uh, Employees are obviously against it. Mm -hmm. Employers are against it. And the insurance companies who make these payments are against it. Only the administration has been for it. There is nobody involved in the workers' comp system. Um, who is in favor of this measure. And who, who would collect it? Well, that's another good point. Nobody knows. No one's articulated who will collect it. No one even knows what it's on. Is it on a weekly payments, lump sum payments, disfigurement payments? We don't even know. Um, I, I, and and I, I think one of the major reasons why the insurance companies are against it is because it'll probably fall on them to collect it, and that will probably cost more than the tax would yield. We are not allowed uh, to insist upon a, even a Social Security number uh, in the Department of uh, Industrial Accidents. So how are we going to collect the money? That's a big question that hasn't been answered. Interesting. And uh, I guess the whole system would have a, a somewhat of a breakdown. I could see a lot of backlog. <laughs> well, 
especially with no plan, but cases won't settle, Larry. Mm -hmm. The cases, there's a very fine balance to settling these kinds of cases. If they don't settle, your, your, your department is going to be backlogged with cases. It's going to be full of cases. There are going to be, um, that in and of itself will cost the, the, the taxpayers more than the tax will yield. And then what's going to happen is employers are going to have to keep people on workers' comp longer because the cases didn't settle. There's no lump sum. There's no settlement. They're getting paid on regular payments. That's got a high cost. It'll simply break the system. It's, it's, it's bad for the economy. It's bad for the citizens of, of Massachusetts. And um, it, it, it's just unfair. Well, you know, it's, this is uh, a lot of people look at this term and, 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 and look at it in a negative way, but, but it kind of looks like this is a perfect role for lobbyists to inform the legislature on uh, what the pitfalls are of the proposed legislation and uh, how it might hurt the public at large. So uh, I, I think there needs to be a lot of education to the legislature to make them understand exactly what you've been talking about today as to what the, uh, the ramifications of something like this are. Well, I hope so, Larry, and I hope they're listening because, you know, they are the ones really who will have the final say on what is in and out of that budget. And so I, I hope that we don't see a budget inclusive of such an unfair, draconian uh, tax, which will uh, potentially uh, bring the comp system to its knees and, 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 and uh, hurt, hurt that system and our economy at large. Well, you know, thanks for bringing that issue to our attention today, Doug. I think a lot of the people out there maybe aren't even aware that, that that's lurking out there. So uh, uh, anyone out there who has a vested interest in, in keeping things the way they should be and the way they are uh, needs to take notice. So, Doug, thanks for joining us today. I think with that, we'll close here. Uh, thanks for giving us your wealth of knowledge on the intricacies of these workplace injuries and, uh, and the whole area of third-party cases. I thought that was very interesting. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, well, I want to thank you and your listeners, Larry, and also um, I, I'm just very excited uh, that we have so many new opportunities for attorneys uh, to connect with our communities here in Massachusetts and new, new opportunities for attorneys to connect with each other. So I, I, I want to work with the, the workers' comp bar and the public to obtain uh, just superior results and, and, and while we do good work and earn the public's trust. Well, terrific. And Doug, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Oh, well, they could uh, get onto our website at cheflaw.com or uh, our phone number is uh, 617-227-7000. And just ask for me, I'm usually here. <laughs> terrific. And uh, for all of you listeners out there, if you want to get a hold of any of the Ringler Associates, you can go to ringlerassociates.com. Uh, you can also listen to... Uh, Ringler radio shows, find them on the website. Uh, terrific. You can download that we've done a lot of shows on a lot of different interesting topics just like this one. Uh, and of course, you go to ringlerassociates.com, ringlerradio.com, or legaltalknetwork.com to uh, download those shows. I think you'll find them very interesting. Uh, you can even go to iTunes and uh, download them, uh, Doug, right, on, right onto your iPod or uh, your iPad and listen uh, as, as you work. I think that's pretty cool. That's great. Well, listen, uh, all of our uh, listeners out there, I want you to th thank you for listening. Uh, Doug, terrific show. We enjoyed having you on. I enjoyed it. Thank you. The rest of you out there, go have a great day. Thanks. Bye-bye. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio with over a million listeners. Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements. Visit ringlerassociates.com today.